This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. Now let's talk about the paradox of betrayal. It's a strange thing. Notice the reason Jesus tells them is not so that they can identify the guy and beat him up or stop it, but so that they will trust him. He tells them in advance about this so that they will gain a greater confidence in him. There's going to be chaos that follows this, and there's going to be reflection, and he wants them to be able to reflect And remember his words and be strengthened, not discouraged by this that unfolds. Because it could be very discouraging. So if you knew in advance that you were about to be betrayed by one of your closest friends, what would you do? What if you knew exactly which friend? Most of us would be looking for new friends real quick, right? Well, in today's message, Pastor Troy teaches us what Jesus did when he knew his betrayal was coming. He didn't freak out or jump ship and find new disciples, but he poured himself into preparing them for what he knew was coming. He knew what he had to do, and he was determined to see it through. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John chapter 13 with today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. Today we come to Jesus' betrayal by a close companion. Betrayal is a horrible word. Betrayal. It's been defined as this. To harm someone for personal interests, personal gain, while holding their trust and confidence in you. Betrayal. Judas's heart, you could say, was more for gold than it was for God. It's where his heart always gravitated. I mean, he was even the one who held on to the money. He was the one who complained when the money was spent and We could have used this for something else. So his heart gravitated. You know, it was for silver that he would betray the Savior. So that's where his heart was. Marriages are split because of betrayal. Friendships are separated because of betrayal. Nations are split and wars begin because of betrayal. Someone trusts and someone else has their eyes on something else. And they betray someone who trusts him so much. When it comes to our Lord and the kingdom of heaven, betrayers are dealt with. God knows who they are. He's not fooled. Those who seem close, but who are really in it for themselves, God knows. So we're going to talk about this idea of betrayal today. It's, you know, we go through the Bible verse by verse. There's some subjects you love to talk about. But then there are others that are more challenging, but they're all there. The idea is there. The reality is there. And this is one of those, the idea of betrayal. So this is an opportunity for us to examine our hearts, to look at ourselves, to make sure that there is nothing working its way in that would come between us and our Lord or 
between us and someone close to us, someone that we love. Look at verse 18. It says, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Jesus was not surprised that he was going to be betrayed. In fact, right here we see the prediction of betrayal. There's a prediction of betrayal. He knows. In fact, he points to a scripture that said that this betrayal would take place. Psalm 41 is the scripture that he points to. David wrote this psalm, Psalm 41, and he wrote it about a man who he considered very close. It was a man he trusted in deep private conversation, Ahithophel, who was his private counselor. Can you imagine that? Going into counseling sessions and that person is the one who's taking all the information and who would betray you? So, what stumbled Ahithophel was a love of something else, more than David. He loved what David had. His attraction was to power and position. See, as soon as Ahithophel realized that David's son, Absalom, had gained popularity and had gained control and was taking over and David had left, it was Ahithophel who was loyal to Absalom. Ahithophel was going to give him the counsel to defeat David. Now, fortunately, Hushai remained loyal to David, another counselor, and confounded the counsel of Ahithophel. And David was able to overcome. But this was a man who was loyal to David while David was in charge, but then he was just as loyal to the next guy. However, he was in charge because he was more loyal to position than he was to a person. What's interesting about Ahithophel is sort of like our betrayer here who would go and hang himself, Judas. That's exactly what Ahithophel does. When his counsel is not heeded, Ahithophel goes and does the same thing. This is the trek of the enemy. The enemy's desire is to take down and to destroy and to take life if at all possible. And when we are given over or when we begin to follow his trek, that is the end. That is the ultimate direction. Why does John bring this up though? Why does he bring this up here? It's to reveal a quality of Jesus that He wants everyone to know. This is the quality he wants everyone to know. Jesus knew what was going to happen to him. Jesus knew it. He wasn't surprised by it. John wants us to be assured that Jesus was in total control, that he made the decision to go this direction. And he was not some victim of an unsuspecting crime that took his life too early. He wants us to know that Jesus knew but he went anyway. Jesus knew things. I know some try to say that Jesus was just all man. He didn't know. No, he knew, but he did things anyway. Remember Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well in Samaria? 
He told her to get her husband, and she said, well, I have no husband. And Jesus said, yeah, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the one you're now with is not your husband. And she uh, started to listen after that. She said, I perceive you're a prophet. And her ears opened up to him. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath, but it was all a setup. Lots of people were in on it. They wanted him to do this. What is he going to do? It's the Sabbath. Jesus was supposed to be unaware of this. But look what it says in Luke chapter 6, verses 8 through 11. But he knew their thoughts. He knew what they were thinking. And said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and disgust with one another what they might do to Jesus. Bad. They were more worried about the Sabbath than they were about healing. Especially uh, healing a soul. See, their, their focus was on the wrong things. Their priority was the wrong things. And so whenever that's true, when the wrong things are dangled before us, we will betray anyone and anything else. Can you imagine living your life knowing every bad thing that was going to happen to you and still going through with it? Still going through it? See, we would use that information to avoid. Tell me. Tell me. So I can know. We want to avoid. Tell me things so I can avoid the pain. And that's John's point here. Jesus knew, but he willingly endured these things. You know, can you imagine? Here's a a picture for you. Sitting with someone close to you, trusted friend, long period of time. You see them poison your food. You're eating together. You see them poison your food. You know it's poison. You know it. And then you sit down and you kind of ask them, did you um, poison my food? But you don't ask in an accusing way. You ask in a, I'm giving you an opportunity to confess. Did you poison this? And they say no. And instead of throwing the food and calling them a liar, you go ahead and you eat. And you know what this poison does. You know the pain. You know everything that goes into this. And you do it anyway? That'd be about as close as I can get for us to kind of understanding what Jesus is going through. He knows the betrayer. He knows the betrayal. He knows what it's going to lead to. He knows the pain. He knows all of this. And don't think that knowing about these things in advance softens the blow of anything that would happen to him. In verse 21, it says he was troubled in spirit when he announced that this would take place. This was not something that he he looked forward to. It's true that Jesus was fully God, but he endured the pains because he was fully man also. He felt everything, every pain, and so he can identify with us. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet was without sin. It wasn't like he considered things. 
but he felt in his flesh things that would want out. Now, this scripture about being tempted isn't just about lust. Don't think that Jesus looked at ladies and was like, (laughs) but I'm the Lord. No, no. He never had that thought. He, He saw them for the daughter that they were. Despite what the Mormons say, Jesus never married. Nor did he have that need in him at all. He had love for every woman as a daughter of God. And so he wasn't attracted for it by those things. This isn't all about lust. This is about love. See, Jesus could have bailed on this commitment any time. Hungry? Just take up a stone and eat. Satan tempted him. Or, hey, you don't have to go through with this. Just bow down and worship me, Satan said. And I'll give you everything you're going after, but that wasn't the end game. Not the stuff. Salvation for the souls he loves. There's no shortcut to that. Pastor Troy will return soon with the second half of today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. If you're enjoying the teachings of Pastor Troy Neely and would like more information about this program, we invite you to visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. There, you'll find an archive of previous messages from the verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the books of the Bible. We'd also encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, as you'll be able to gain access to the latest teachings as soon as they're posted. That website, again, is buildingonthesolidrock.com. We're blessed to be a part of your life through the teachings of this program, and we pray you're blessed as you continue to tune in. Now, back to Pastor Troy with more of today's message. In the garden, he said, if there's any other way, take this cup, this that I'm about to experience and feel. You know, I don't look forward to that. But though he could have abandoned ship, though these guys would run on him, there would be people at the foot of the cross gambling for his clothing and taking it lightly. He could look at this and see this and go, I'm not in it for that. These guys don't even care. They're not going to be here. He's going to betray me. I'm not here for that. He could have said that. He could have done that, but he did not. Because of his great love. And knowing all of these things, he loved them to the end. I've heard the question before, before someone gets involved in a relationship, uh, trying to commit to a relationship, they're afraid of commitment, and they say, you know, I want to be sure that I will not get hurt before I commit. I want to make sure that there's no way I'm going to get hurt. I've heard them say that, and I understand the sentiment. No one wants to get hurt, but here's your answer. You can't. You can't know you're not going to get hurt. In fact, you you should know now you are going to get hurt. Because when you make yourself vulnerable, when you open your heart, you do so with an unperfect person. The only reason that they want to marry you is they're imperfect. If they were perfect, they'd be like Christ and don't need that, that relationship of marriage because they are so close to the Lord. But we have this relationship. We need it because we're needy. Whenever you marry someone, you marry a needy person. You're needy and they're needy. 
So you have an imperfect person. They're not going to meet all your needs. They can't. They're imperfect. That's why in marriage vows, one of the things so important that we understand is it's for better or for worse, richer or poorer. It's for the good times and the bad times. And there will be some of those because we all make mistakes. We just don't want to compound them by bad decisions on top of them. You see, it's easy to love a person who's perfect. We can all say, I love the Lord. I just don't like his people. You can't really love him unless you're loving them. But I love you, then love them. But I love you, (laughs) then love them. That's hard. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Oh, man, Lord, it's like they're tied to you. I can't really love you unless I'm like loving toward them. Exactly. He ties it so closely together. That's why he tied it together. What's the great command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and tie it together. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't serve the Lord unless you're serving people. It's easy. We would all love to come up with ways we can serve the Lord without people. I serve the Lord by playing checkers and letting my kids win. I serve the Lord that way. They don't know. That's not serving the Lord. That's helpful maybe for your kids' self-esteem or whatever, but it's not serving the Lord. See, you know when you're serving the Lord. It costs. It costs time. It costs humility. It costs you're a servant it's not convenient it's easy to love a perfect person but when you serve him by loving someone that's hard I read a story about a, a wife who was an alcoholic and here's how all this unfolded at some point she began to drink and early in the marriage very early in the marriage and it messed up the marriage Ten years into this, their marriage is kind of in shambles. The the husband finds out that ten years earlier, she had had an affair with what was at the time a good friend, a very good friend. And he was devastated, betrayed. And then he could see why the alcohol and all this stuff. She had felt so guilty. She turned it. It just, everything became a mess. And he had bitterness in his heart. It made bad things worse. Well, God was dealing with his heart. And he knew this was about him, not about her. God was dealing with his heart. And just so happened, they came into a circumstance. She was there. They were trying to work through this. He had found out. She knew. And they run into this guy. She didn't know how he was going to respond. And they run across him. With all his heart, he wanted to come in this way. But with God, he came in this way. Asked him how he was doing, didn't bring it up at all. Shared his heart. He said his heart began to change. All this that was held on to, all this that he couldn't let his wife move beyond now and even kept her trapped down, he was able, he said it freed him and enabled him to renew his love for his wife. To renew that love and to overcome a barrier that had risen up between them that could not be overcome. And then he said, when he finally said to her genuinely after that encounter, I forgive you and I accept you 
just as I did when I pledged to love you at the very first, to cherish you until death do us part. I love you. It was only then that he understood the power of forgiveness for himself and for someone else. And it was only then that everything began to change in their marriage for the better. The Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. And there's nothing that you have done or thought that he doesn't know about and isn't willing to forgive you and to love you through. I mean, if this man could do it with his wife, how much more can the Lord, who is the author of love, the perfecter of it, willing to love and carry and pick you up and walk with you? So the prediction of betrayal, he always knew. Look at verse 19. Now I tell you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. See, I'm telling you this for this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Now let's talk about the paradox of betrayal. It's a strange thing. Notice the reason Jesus tells them is, Not so that they can identify the guy and beat him up or stop it, but so that they will trust him. He tells them in advance about this so that they will gain a greater confidence in him. There's going to be chaos that follows this, and there's going to be reflection, and he wants them to be able to reflect and remember his words and be strengthened, not discouraged by this that unfolds. Because it could be very discouraging. They're going to need a strong trust in him, and so they need this. They're going to need a strong trust in his word, to hold on to his word rather than circumstances, and so they need this. Because they're going to be sent out into the world. And they're going to be sent out into the same world that hated and mistreated him. In verse 20, Jesus reassures them, most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send, receive me. And Who received me, received him who sent me. So the paradox here is that Jesus is telling them in advance that, hey, opposition is basically going to get a victory. They're going to get a big win here. It's going to seem like a win for them. And I want to tell you that, but I want to tell you that now in advance to encourage you. What? A defeat is going to encourage me? Yes, it's going to encourage them to trust him to a greater level because he knows stuff. And not only that, but he tells them in advance what things are going to happen. When people come to Christ, they're often misled. Uh, I think by well-meaning individuals, maybe they're, you know, it's like you're reeling them in. You want them to come to church. You want them to come to Christ. So you don't want to tell them about the challenges they might face. You want to tell them about the good things. Oh, he'll fix everything. Oh, it'll be perfect. And you just tell them about the good. And people can be misled by that. So when they come to Christ, they're misled into believing everything will suddenly get better. But often, you come to Christ, the troubles just begin. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. I mean, that's a reality. But these things should not discourage our walk. They should not discourage us from walking with Christ or coming to Him because Jesus said these things would happen in advance. 
And when these things happen, because they did what he said they should do, and he said these things would happen when they did, that they should trust him more, not less. Thanks for joining us today on Building on the Solid Rock. We hope you've learned some new things today as Pastor Troy taught through the Gospel of John. If you'd like to hear today's message again, please visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We also have an archive of previous messages available to you free of charge, ready to be listened to online or even downloaded and shared with friends and family. We're so blessed to be a part of your life in this way, and we'd love to hear how you've been impacted by Building on the Solid Rock. Feel free to send us an email at info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. We love being able to connect with our listeners in this way, and your feedback helps us continue to build this ministry. Next time, Pastor Troy will share more from the book of John and express additional examples of how Jesus proved he was unlike any other man that ever lived. Join us then, right here on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in.